today adding one little uh, sermon to that series, but changing the series just for a minute. Now today it's called The Path from the Cross. You following me? So I want to talk a bit about that today of what it was like after the death after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're going to dive into that. I I do want to share a few thoughts with you uh, this morning pertaining to this. Um, The first time, really who I'm talking about mostly today is about my really good friend, my my best friend, uh, my spiritual best friend, who is the Holy Spirit, okay? He's my comforter. He's one that never, ever leaves me an orphan. Uh, He's my helper. We're going to talk about those today. I don't think Holy Spirit gets talked about like he should in the New Testament church. And why? I I got reasons. I I had thoughts behind that. You're going to hear some of that come out of me today also. But think about this. For the one who was sent to be with us now when Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven and God on the throne, and the Holy Spirit is the one with us now, should we not talk about Holy Spirit? Oh, I had three people just respond about that. Come on. Should we not talk about Holy Spirit? So I want to talk to you about my, my friend today. The first mention of the Holy Spirit, Genesis 1, 2, very, very, in the very beginning of creation, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the, the deep. And look, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Ruah. Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit has always been. That's why God says, made in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has always been and always will be. Now, I need to just share my heart with you for a minute. Can I do that? I'm setting you up because you don't know what I'm going to say, but you just said yes. (laughs) Holy Spirit, he doesn't need me, but he's like a friend of mine. So you ever had a good friend? I have a good friend, my wife my kids and other good friends, that if you mess with them, it's like on like Donkey Kong. That's all there is to it. It's on. I might be a pastor, but you mess with them, it's on. And that's how I feel about the Holy Spirit. You mess with the Holy Spirit in a really nice Christian pastoral way, it's on like Donkey Kong. Because the Holy Spirit is a person to me. He's not an it And he's not from the Munsters. He's the glorious Holy Spirit. Listen to this. When someone is taught something by someone who is in authority, could be a pastor, it could be a parent, it could be a Sunday school teacher, but it's not theologically totally correct or it's not completely complete and it doesn't have the full counsel of God behind it, but it was taught by someone in authority, that is really hard to unteach someone and reteach them. There's something about learning from someone who's in a place of authority at some point and said, this is the way it is. 
But how many of you know that's not always true? And I find out it's, real, it's way easier to teach someone than to unteach them and reteach them. Okay? I have my own experience for that. I'm not here to enforce traditions or doctrines that are not biblically complete just because your daddy or your granddaddy taught you them, them doctrines. Okay, you following me? All right. Now, I honor parents and I honor elder. I honor, all, I honor, 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 honor. That doesn't mean that sometimes things are not completely taught in a complete doctrine setting. And so, with that being said, I want to talk to you. Uh, the, I know that can sound a little offensive because you're saying, J.O., maybe I wasn't taught right. And I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. But I find that sometimes I find people in this subject, I don't feel like they're taught complete, okay? Let me give you an example. The way that I was raised in a denomination where my, pa my, my dad and mom, my dad was the pastor of the church, raised in that denomination, after being born again in 1986, December the 7th, I realized that that denomination, uh, from my point of view, was not teaching complete, okay? Not that they were in error of the doctrine they taught in the sense of uh, a, a lot of things that they stood for, but they, I think they were in error of not teaching complete doctrine in this area of the Holy Spirit. Are you following with me? Don't, don't let me lose you because we're going to talk about my good friend. God desires you, you, he desires everyone in this room to be empowered, he desires you to be equipped. He desires you to be free, and he desires you to experience the fullness that he has for you. I say this sometimes, but I don't know if you hear me. He wants you to be armed and dangerous, and I really mean armed and dangerous. I'm not talking about being a believer that are nice Christians that come to church on Sunday, and hallelujah, I'm glad that you are. But sometimes those good, nice Christians that come on Sunday, they're not armed and they're not dangerous. In this day and time, you need to be armed and dangerous, and God sent one to cause you to be armed and dangerous, and his name is Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you mad at me yet? Put the rocks way underneath your seat today. I want to talk about Holy Spirit today. Honestly, he should be given a whole series, but I'm just going to give you a snippet coming out of Easter, Resurrection Sunday, because of what Jesus did, what we recognized he did yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, last weekend, of how he died and rose from the dead. But that's kind of like where we left off. But there was more to it. Jesus appeared to many, and he was on the face of the earth after he rose from the dead for many days. And he gave the disciples real important uh, instruction of what they should do. And so we're going to talk about that today. I want you to listen to the scripture and then we're going to pray. This is my hope for you today. My hope for me today. Hope for all of us today. Listen to the scripture. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. He opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures. That's my prayer for us today in the area 
of Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone. It wasn't just God, the Father in heaven, and Jesus on the right hand of the Father, but now, Holy Spirit, you're with us. I pray that you would now straighten out every crooked path. You would raise up valleys. You would pull down mountains. God, help us to understand. Help us to know. Instruct us now through your word. Heaven and earth is going to disappear. Your word is forever and ever and ever. It's perfect and I ask for a deposit of your great word this morning in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. I want from the very beginning to distinguish, I'm putting on a little bit of my teaching hat today, I want to distinguish two baptisms. Say that with me, two baptisms. Yeah. I want you to look at Matthew 3.11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. That's going to be right up behind me. John, I'm sorry, Matthew 3.11. We are going to be in John quite a bit today too. If you're not a believer today, I got news for you. This is a great day to believe. You're going to hear about this wonderful Holy Spirit who is with us right now, who you never have to do life alone, ever. How many know we're better together? Holy Spirit wants to be together with you. So if you're not a believer, I pray that you just listen real close today and make a decision to believe. Matthew 3.11, it says, I indeed baptize you. This is John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. How many baptisms do you see in that scripture? Two. two. One plus one? We see two baptisms. We see a a water baptism, and we see a baptism by Jesus of Holy Spirit and fire. That water baptism, say this with me, fully submerged. That's really what that means, fully submerged into water, fully submerged in the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me, let me give you the Greek on that word, uh, uh, bapt, bapt, baptizo, says this, to immerse, submerge, to make whelmed, fully wet, used only in the New Testament. Water baptism is highly practiced in many churches. We practice it here once a month, the first weekend of the month. We practice, we do a big water baptism at the lake. Over the summer, water baptism is absolutely vital. Denominations practice it, churches practice it. But what about the last sentence of that verse? You can't just talk about water baptism and all of a sudden go, ah, just just kind of don't understand that. No need to deal with that, J-O. Well, we got to deal with that because Holy Spirit's impacted my life. I assume because water baptism is, is very, very wonderful. It's clear to understand, somewhat controlled, and is intellectually safe. But baptism in the Holy Spirit and a fire, well, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus, you can't put that in a box. It's hard to put that in a box on the weekend, okay? Hard to do that on the first month, uh, first week of every month. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as the promise in John early on, and I want to look at this. Someone say the promise. He had a promise for the disciples of that day, and he has a promise for you today, okay? 
Some of you are walking it. Some of you may have not be walking it. Some of you may have never even heard of it. But he has a promise to you today. How many know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He has a promise for you now, today, as he did over 2,000 years ago with his disciples at that point, okay? John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out. If I'm not mistaken, that crying out is like a raven. He cries out. This is important to Jesus. He cries out. You want to know why I'm loud? I think Jesus was loud at times. Okay? He cries out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Say that with me, living water. Doesn't that sound wonderful? But these he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Doesn't say did receive, would receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What do you mean by glorified? I think that means of Jesus ascending into heavens. He had not ascended into the heavens yet. Someone say drink. 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 When I drink something, it goes inside me and it can fill me, especially coffee early in the morning. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Something is going on, something is going to take place with the Holy Spirit after Jesus is glorified, as he ascends into heaven, Jesus is going up, someone's coming down, okay? It's happened. It hasn't happened yet, according to the scripture. Are we in agreement? Glad you agree. Here we go. If you don't agree, you should just line up with the word of God, Amen. John 14, 8, love this, talking of the Spirit. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Never, never, never alone. If I'm in the middle of the woods, on top of the mountain, elk hunting, thinking I'm alone, I'm never, never, never alone. My parents got killed. I know what it's like a little bit about being an orphan. But after being saved and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm never, never, never alone. I'm no longer an orphan because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. John 14, 26. But the helper, that's not just any helper. That's a capital H Helper, capital H, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Let's make it clear. Jesus says the helper. Let me tell you who he is. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring to your remembrance all things that I say as said to you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit from the Father there. The tr- look, it's so beautiful. The Trinity is all over the Bible. Bible the, the word Trinity is never mentioned in the Bible, and yet it's all over the Bible. Here's one scripture just randomly. Holy Spirit, who's going to send it? The Father. Who's talking about it? Jesus. Bam. 
all over the Bible. Is it a mystery? Yeah, it's a, it is a mystery, but it's real, absolutely. Let me tell you what the, the helper means. I heard my, my son say it. Say it, Seth. He says, par play toss. I call him paraclete. It's the helper, intercessor, counselor. Just listen about the helper. Advocate, comforter. Listen. Summon, called to one side of the Holy Spirit. Destined to take place of Christ when the apostles, after his ascension to the Father, to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel of truth and give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. Everyone say, Holy Spirit, helper. How many of you might think you might need the helper? If you don't think you need the helper, let me help you. You need the helper. I asked, I took this little video yesterday of a brother in the church, and I asked Native, hey, can you throw this on, man? And he said, yeah, so it might be a little ghetto, and it may not be perfect audio, but I want you to hear the heart of it. If you'll hit that right now, I'd appreciate it. Well, I asked Craig about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because here recently he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I just said, hey, would you just share uh, briefly on what that means to you? I have more intimacy with God the Father. I have more intimacy with the Holy Spirit in me. Um, I have more discernment about the things that are going on around me and in the lives of the people around me. And he gets to tell me, I, I hear better is what's going on. Wow. Is I hear better. He's always been talking to me, but the Holy Spirit and I have a, a better connection. And, uh, and it's beautiful because it allows him to come through me and talk to other people. And uh, it also allows me to feel like my prayers are definitely being heard, and not just heard, but listened to. And, and it helps me to pray in such a way that I'm praying after God's heart, not my own. Wow. Not just what I want, but I, the Holy Spirit's teaching me. And it's, a, it's an instruction that, I don't know how to explain it, except for I know that it's real and it comes from the inside, and yet it's coming from above. It's beautiful, wow. is what it is, and it's very real. Thank I'm, you for, I'm happy for it. That's awesome, Craig. Thank you for sharing. God bless you, bro. I love it. Woo! I think about the spirit is willing. The flesh is not willing, but the spirit is willing. I think about Absalom. He was birthed out of the flesh, but Isaac was that birth of the spirit. You can do things in the flesh, church, all day long. But if you do it, you have to sustain it. But if the Holy Spirit does it through you, guess what? He's going to sustain it through you. We want to be people of the Spirit. We want to be people who are led by the Spirit. We want to be people who are uh, uh, filled with the Spirit. The crucifixion has happened. Jesus said it's finished. I told you last week, just because something's finished doesn't mean it's over. The death has happened. The resurrection has happened. He is risen and now... There's two disciples walking down this road called Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile hike, and Jesus joins them, but they can't see and understand that it's Jesus because the Bible says, but their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And they began to tell Jesus <laughs> about Jesus. That'd be that's kind of funny. We're going to tell this dude about 
He don't even, you ain't never heard about, and he's Jesus, right? And they're having this conversation. And, and so, so Jesus says, he just begins to break down and have a Bible study with them. I'm, I'm going to give you a lesson. Jesus can give us a lesson, right? And he begins, he says this, and in beginning uh, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. That's what Luke 24, 27. And then he wasn't going to go with them any further. And they're so fired up about this dude that he don't, they don't even know who he is. Their eyes are blinded that it's Jesus. They constrained him to stay with them. And then something beautiful takes place. Now it came to pass as they sat at the table with them that he took bread, here we go, the power of communion, took bread, broke it, blessed it, broke it, and he gave it to them. And look, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did our not... Did our hearts not burn within us when he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scripture to us, can you just imagine that Bible study? And then he just, now Jesus is like disappearing and appearing. And he can do whatever he wants because he's God. And you didn't vote him in and he can, he don't need your vote. He's God. Look what uh, Luke 24, 36 through 37 says. Jesus appears. Okay, he, he, he just doesn't come through. How many of you know Jesus don't need no door? Let me, let me, let me say something. Resurrection Sunday, the, the, the rock was removed, right? But how many of you know that Jesus didn't need no stinking rock to be removed? Je Jesus didn't need the rock to be removed. He didn't need the rock to be removed for him to come out. He needed the rock removed so you could see. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. He just stood there. I mean, he just, whoo, there he is. And they said to them, peace to you. You know why he said peace to you? Because they're scared spitless. You would too. All of a sudden, you're with your friends, and Jesus is like, Hello. I'd be shaking in my boots. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed he, he had uh, seen a spirit. Jesus shows them his hands and his feet and he eats some fish with them. And he says this, Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. You tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. From on high. This is what I think the Western church is missing a lot of times. You're a believer, you're sons and daughters of God. Yes, amen. But endued with power from on high. From who? The promise. Why does the enemy somewhat shut out our eyes to this promise? Why does religion cloak over? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you why today. Because there is power in the promise. There is power in this promise. Religion wants to say it's not for today. It, it left with the apostles. I'm going to tell you right now. There's this power in this promise that God 
wants you to receive and live in you and baptize you and empower you today. And dude, it's in the sense of sinking into a garment. So if, if you can imagine, I, I would view it like this, your white t-shirt just being dipped in dye. And just, it's never going to be white again. Are you following me? It's just like, and dude, and then power. Listen to this, it's beautiful. It's where we get the word dynamite, dynamis. Force, specifically miraculous power used by implication, a miracle itself, ability, abundance, meaning, mighty, working of miracle, power, strength, violence, mighty, powerful work. God wants to give you power. He wants to put it in your inside of you. He wants to endued you. It says this in John 20, 19 through 23. It's going to be behind me. Just skipping around a little bit to the apostles because, uh, or the gospels, because they are, there's only one author of the Bible and his name is God. But there were different writers. So God spoke to them as they wrote out the word. So John says this, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week. When is the first day of the week? That is Sunday. A lot of Christians, we worship on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, right? The day after the Old Testament, the day after Sabbath is Saturday. Are you following me? So a lot of things took place on the first day of the week. And it says this, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fears of the Jews, Jesus' doors were shut. <laughs> Jesus came and stood in the midst. It's like, hello. He appears again. Or maybe this is still talking about the same time coming through John. For the fear of the Jews, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed his hands probably the same exact time that Luke talks about, and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he, look, look, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What do I believe that's going on right here? I believe the disciples, well, they experienced Jesus after his resurrection, okay? I think a person can be born again after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus walks through or he, he walks through the wall or he just appears or however he does it and he breathes upon them the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this is when the disciples are born again. Okay? Because you got to be born again of spirit. A man must be born again of spirit. Jesus uh, taught Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Are you following me? If it's not born again, what is it? Because Jesus tells these same disciples, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise, the Holy Spirit. Okay? So there's two things going on here uh, in, in, in the way that I view it. Then we look at Luke 24, 50 through 51. This is when Jesus goes from earth and he's ascending to heaven. And the Bible says this, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. 
Now it came to pass while he blessed them, this must have been glorious, that he was parted from them and carried into heaven. Okay? So now Jesus is in heaven, but guess what? You and I are not alone. But let me tell you something real important. If I'm getting ready to go be with Jesus, you better believe I'm going to tell my wife and kids what's real important to me. I'm going to tell close friends what's really important to me. The last thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, the last thing that he commands his disciples to do, I'm going to read it again. Behold, Luke 24, 49. This is the last thing he says in Luke. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And then guess what? Jesus, to the heavenlies. Let me read it from the New New, uh, Living Translation. It says this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. How many of you need power from heaven? You should respond to these times when I ask you questions. You really should, because that's a good faith response. How many of you need power from heaven? How many of you tired of doing it on your own, your own strength? How many tired of doing it in your own strength? You can't be good enough. You can't perform well enough. We need the Holy Spirit. My flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. I need to be empowered and dude from on high, not of this world, not of this earth. We're so unspiritual in America, man. God is spirit. Did you know that? He's father, but he's spirit. Look at this video today. This is a friend of mine that got baptized in the Holy Spirit on Good Friday. Hey guys, Danny Baker here. Hey, I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So I was meeting with J.O. talking about a water baptism, and I'd never really heard about baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he gave me this this little booklet to read. And uh, after I read the booklet, um, I had a lot of questions, got those questions answered, and wanted to know more and essentially get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So J.O., along with some elders of the church, prayed over me after a Friday night service, and it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. I could literally feel the Holy Spirit um, come in me and fill my entire being up. Um, you know, since that last Friday night, I can tell you uh, the Bible is just jumping out to me while I'm reading it. I'm a completely uh, different person in terms of um, where I am um, with anxiety and things like that, um, but more or less feel more connection uh, directly to God. Um, it has been such a great experience for myself uh, in, in a sense that I would encourage you guys uh, to go ahead and and research what baptism of the Holy Spirit is, um, because I did not know anything about it before. And and growing up in the church, I can honestly say that I feel a bit gypped that I didn't know about it before. Um, But more or less, just wanted you guys to to be encouraged to uh, research baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Find this booklet if you need to, uh, and uh, and, and I'm sure you will will have the same experience that I did. And and I have to say, it's it's been one of the best experiences, and and I have to give all the glory to God.
Why is this not? I thought this thing should work. Need what? Need power? Need power? But it's a saw. It's got a blade on it. Where's the plug-in? If y'all don't help me, I'll unplug stuff and you guys will be mad at me. Oh, it's already plugged. Bobby, you're too good, man. Oh, wow. Wow, it works. It works. All you got to do is plug it in. I got the power. How many Christians are... Why doesn't this work very well? It's going to take me days to cut this piece of wood. Because you might need to get plugged up. You might be, need to be endued with power from on high. You might need to quit bucking. I'm so tired of the American church not having the power that God's promised. If I was the writer of the Bible and I'm not, I would have wrote it Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, Acts. But I'm not, and God doesn't care. And that's fine. Because Luke and Acts is the same author, Theopolis. Acts 1, five, 1 through 5. The former account I made, hope it's behind me, thank you. Oh, Theopolis, follow with me, it's important. Oh, uh, of all that Jesus begun both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had been given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented, presented himself alive after his suffering by many invaluable proofs, uh, being seen by them during 40 days. People seen Jesus after his death 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom and being assembly together with them, he commanded them, command, somebody say command. Amen. It's not like, hey, hope you make it, Risha. <laughs> commanded them to, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. Praise God. It's important. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember, he breathed upon them. But the same ones they breathed upon, he's saying, wait. There's more. Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me, martyrs. If you're going to be a martyr, that's what that Greek word witness is. It's not just going street preaching, and though that's witnesses door to door, telling somebody on the airplane next to you, that's all beautiful, but that word is martyrs. If you're going to be a martyr, if you're going to be a witness for Jesus, he wants to empower you from on high. When you get the power, I'm going to tell you right now, it will help you be a witness. To me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We have Jason Stark here with us today, all the way from South Sudan. Him and his wife and family. Witnesses to the ends of the earth. 
I can imagine South Sudan is not Kauai. If you don't know where Kauai is, it's a nice little green place, little <laughs> island. So they continued in that place and they prayed, about 120 of them. Mary, uh, the woman Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there and the brothers. And during this time where they waited on the promise, they don't even really know what they're waiting on. <laughs> they're just like, okay. He says, wait, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to get empowered. We're going to wait. And they, they had had Judas who, you know, hung himself. So now they pick lots. And during this time they wait, they choose another disciple, Matthias. Okay, all during this time. This is just amazing. And look at Acts 2.1, what takes place. They're waiting, just waiting, praying, waiting. Hey, Mary, mother of Jesus. Hey, brothers of Jesus, waiting. Hey, let's, while we're waiting, let's, let's choose another disciple. Okay. Matthias, okay, okay. Just waiting and praying. And then the grace of God, all of a sudden, this took place. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost, everyone say Pentecost. Pentecost. You have all kinds of mindsets of that word Pentecost and when it really means 50th. Just 50th. I'm 53. How old are you? This is 50th. Why 50th? Well, it was 50th day from the day that Jesus died. Day of Pentecost. Okay? It says this. Had fully come, there were with one accord. Everyone say one accord in one place. That, that's powerful. We all get on the same page. It's powerful. It's powerful. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them and they all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. You don't like that scripture? Well, you tear it out of your Bible. I'm not going to tear it out of mine. That word, uh, divided tongues, in the old King James, if you have King James, you'll be reading cloven tongue. It means separated. I believe that word, cloven or divided tongue, I think there's multiple purposes for it. At least two, a cloven tongue is split. And look what takes place when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just beautiful. Wow. Acts 2, 6. And when the, the sound occurred, the multitude, there was people in, in Jerusalem from all over the world, that's different cultures and different languages, and each, all from everywhere. And it says that the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. It's like, wow. There may have been 12, 20 different languages there, but they could hear because of the supernatural thing of the Holy Spirit. Why does this take place? Number one, I'm going to tell you, the, number one today, the purpose is that the gospel could travel like wildfire from Jerusalem throughout the nations because they could hear in their own language the good news of Jesus Christ and what took place. Uh, you remember the, the day of the Tower of Babel? God came and confused the language. You know what he's doing today on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2? He's, he's bringing unity 
to the language so everyone can hear and understand. Let me tell you another thing that I think takes place is that all of a sudden, these people who are now speaking in this tongue is like something they didn't learn and God's speaking through them. It also is this thing called a a, a spiritual prayer language. It's, it's, It's powerful. You can pray in the Spirit. Jesus says praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. It builds you up, the believer. You know how to build up your body, eating the right thing, going to the gym. But how about your spirit man? So much emphasis on eating right and going to the gym. But how about your, how do you build your spirit man up? Well, this is one way. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Look what it says in 4.4 of uh, 1 Corinthians 14. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And I'm going to tell you something else that takes place when these believers received and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the, the, gifts of the spirit was just unlocked in them. I see most people that I know of just personally operating in words of wisdom, operating in prophecy, operating in words of knowledge, operating in the gifts that they've been baptized. I'm not saying this is fully true because I don't know. I'm just saying predominantly these are people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and a fire. Ma'am? Amen. Come on. Come on, sister. Now, those around, they had different emotions. Some were amazed. Say that with me, amazed. Look what it says, Second uh, Acts 2, 12 through 13. So they were all amazed and perplexed and saying to, uh, to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked, saying they're full of new wine. Hey, dude, they, they just been drinking a little bit too much wine. Some we're amazed. Say that with me, amazed. They're just amazed. This is supernatural. This is beautiful. Things that the American church, I don't think that we're very much accustomed to. But God wants to do it in and through you. They were amazed. And then some were perplexed. Say that with me, perplexed. It's kind of like doubting. Kind of like doubting Thomas. I'm not going to believe you, Jesus. Let me see your hand. Let me see your feet. Let me see your side. Oh, it is you. Lord God Almighty, oh my, changed his mind. They perplexed. And then some, oh, they've been tipping the bottle, nine o'clock in the morning. And they mocked. Let me say something today. Be amazed. Be perplexed, but don't mock. You don't spit in the wind. You don't take the mask off the long ranger, and you don't mock the Holy Spirit. I don't have to take up for him. He can take up for himself. Because the Bible says if you sin against Jesus, it's forgiven. You blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and it's not. Should you fear God? Absolutely. Absolutely, we should fear God. Absolutely. I'm almost done. Peter, this one who had doubted Jesus three times, now 
He's filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's armed and dangerous. He's endued with power. And he begins to preach. He's never preached like this before. Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all of dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, nine in the morning. I say that, that's what it is. But this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. And this shall come in the past, in the last day, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams, and old men shall dream dreams, and all my maidservants and my maid, men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they prophesied, and, he, and they shall prophesy. This is what's taking place. Wow. Have you been endued with power from on high? I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1988, about 30 years from now. Back in the day, got saved 86, 15 months later, two brothers, my brother, my blood brother and another brother laid hands on me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whoo! Deal breaker. <laughs> I went back to, that was in Northern California. I went back to Kentucky, finish out my last semester, not, not, not my last semester, but that semester, packed my truck said goodbye to my grandparents in South Carolina. Me and my little buddy Johnny drove across the states 50 hours from South Carolina to Eureka, California. You might not want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you don't want your life to be absolutely godly messed up. But I say choose godly messed up because right now you're already messed up. Miles will be messed up for Jesus. Right? We're messed up anyway. Yeah. 